Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor and founder of Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work and grab a free copy of the Creative on Purpose handbook at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest, Jurgen Strauss. Welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where they can connect with you to learn more. Well, thank you, Scott. Uh, first of all, it's a real privilege to be with you on the Creative On Live podcast. And as you said, my name's Jurgen Strauss. I'm the owner and founder of InnovaBiz. And you can find out more about InnovaBiz at innovabiz.com.au. I also host the Innova Buzz podcast, which is an innovation podcast dedicated to modern marketing and people doing innovation in, in business around marketing, but also in delivering exceptional experiences to their audience. I also host the Tales of Marketing Transformation podcast, which is a storytelling podcast all around marketing. So one of the things that I'm working on these days is our marketing strategy and and the thing that annoys me a lot in today's consumer world and also in the b2b world is that with modern technology people seem to abdicate their responsibility to actually have human interactions and you know you and i both met through seth godin's community and one of his um, big talking points is being understand being understood requires you to actually learn to understand first, learn to mm. listen first. And my message around marketing is let's make it more human again. Let's bring back that human-to-human interaction because even, even in the B2B world where people say this company does business with that company, there are still people at both ends of that interaction. There's a person at the supplier company and there's a person at the um, purchasing company that interact with one another, that have to make the things work, that are the interface. And if those people don't relate to one another, if those people don't know, like, and trust one another, then business isn't going to happen. So I'm all about building the strategies and the systems with technology to enable more human interaction. I love it. One of the things that uh, is discussed in the marketing seminar uh, is you know, how, how does one engage in B2B and B2C or, you know, the difference between B2B and B2C, but mm-hmm. oftentimes people that are trying to sell in a B2B uh, situation are selling to somebody that's not actually the decision maker. And so that's one right. of my favorite things to say is just what you were saying to remember that actually all, all sales and all storytelling, which is what marketing really is, is H to H. And if you can remember that, um, you have a chance of making a connection on on that human to human level. So I, I love that you uh, underscored that because that really resonates. One of the things that I'm really interested in in hearing uh, you talk about first, just because I, I find that terms that we are really used to using and hearing can be very misunderstood. Um, mm. What does innovation really mean? Okay, that, that's a real interesting one. And I ask that of many of my guests in in that podcast. So to me, innovation is really making things better. And it's uh, and I guess there's 
one of my guests recently talked about innovation and creativity and creativity is coming up with the ideas innovation is putting them into practice but it, innovation could be you know the next iphone the next big disruptor the next digital photography that's one that's close to my heart because i lived through that in my very early career it could be that but it also could be just improving your systems by a very tiny little amount to make things better for your business for your customers um, to me all of that is innovation and it's really about um, having that mindset of continuous improvement and always looking for the opportunities you know how could that be better and looking at mistakes or critique that others might give you as opportunities for improvement love it um so really i mean i love what you said that innovation is the pursuit of making things better and a topic near and dear to my heart creative on purpose defines creativity as simply the act of bringing something into the world that didn't exist before and the purpose is to make things better we live in a world that is that in which settling for the status quo is very dangerous especially in business settings because if you are trying to protect what you already do mm. somebody else is going to come up with an innovation that eats your lunch for you and your you know, Kodak is a perfect example you know yeah, they yeah. could have led the way with digital photography and instead tried to cling to film forever and they ended up going bankrupt um, that's right I, I lived through that because my very first job out of university was with ACFA. And as a photographer, hobby photographer, ever since I can remember, I mean, I've got photos of me playing with cameras when I was three years old. So wow. to land that job, you know, working for a company that produced film um, was a dream for me. And I thought, this is just so good. And within a short space of time, Sony had launched the first consumer digital camera. And I experienced firsthand the reaction there at first it was like panic stations you know there's this thing out there that's going to disrupt our business model but then i was actually on on a task force to get a hold of one of these cameras and put it through its paces and i remember the report we ended up writing saying that it you know the quality of the image that they produce is poor the um you know it's actually an analog image on uh, tape like uh, video like you know what was um, at the time, DVD tape, it's projected on a television, so it's an analog uh, signal at the time, and it's black and white. And then we went on to say, so we basically said, you know, this, this, the quality of this is really poor. But then we went on to say, this is a proof of concept and the fact that they've gone um, into the consumer market with this already says that, you know, they've got a vested interest in improving this. And at the rate at which technology is evolving at the moment, and this was back in the you know, mid-1980s, uh, I expected that by about the end of 19, the 1990s, digital photography would be consumer mainstream. Now, unfortunately, the at ACFA, the decision makers, the board of management, I don't think read past the bit that said, you know, the quality is poor, because at, uh, at some point after that report was submitted, we were told, well, you know, this is never going to be as good as film photography. We'll just keep making better film. 
Yeah. Well, and, and we know the we know what happened. Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing that Kodak and um, Konica and Fuji, the other big film manufacturers, all responded in very much the same way. Yeah, very much so. Well, and it's so it, it, it innovation. I think most people find that having an innovative a posture that you know of being innovative um, is somewhat frightening because you know mm. when you are innovating, you are obviously entering uncertainty and um, you know things that might not work. Um, so so it feels risky, but it turns out based on the story that you were just telling that actually the the even riskier thing is to keep doing things the old way and hope that the new way doesn't doesn't take off. Um, what are some strategies that you think think help people lean into that kind of innovative mindset and posture? Well, I think it's being starting off by being very clear about what your purpose is and what you're actually doing. So in, in the example of Kodak and Akfa and Fuji, um, you know, their attitude at the time, I think, was, you know, we make film for photographers. That was what they thought their purpose was. And in some ways for the professional market, maybe that was true because the professionals hung on to film a lot longer than than the consumer market because of the difference in quality. Um, but, you know, today there's hardly any professional that still does film. And, and if they do, you know, it's not because of quality, it's because of other reasons. So what they were in the market for in the consumer market really was to enable people to capture memories. Mm-hmm. So if you chunk up the purpose to what is it that you're actually providing your customer um, and then say, well, how else could I do that? Is there a better way that I could help my customer capture their memories in the moment? And if you ask that question. So it's really about asking the right questions. And if you ask that question, then back in those days when digital photography was first even, you know, even before it became commercial, the obvious answer there was, well, there's a whole heap of benefits to digital photography, leaving aside the fact that right now the quality isn't as good as film. You can see the photo immediately. You can see whether, you know, Auntie Mavis has squinted or closed her eyes or has got a funny look on her face and you can immediately take another photo rather than two weeks later when the film's developed saying oh bad luck that didn't work but you know Auntie Mavis has gone back home so we can't take that photo again so it's really about understanding what is it you really provide for your customers and asking that question and that kind of brings me back to what we work on really heavily in the first stage of our marketing journey and that's understanding who is your ideal customer and what are they looking for what are their needs and wants but we do that in a way that is goes way way beyond um, just a demographic so it really comes down to how do you build empathy with that person so that you really get to understand you know, what drives them what values do they have what are they looking to do with the services or products that you might be able to provide them that's really uh, want to lean into that a little bit because it's such an important point. And I think 
even people that pay lip service to this idea of having empathy for the people that they seek to serve and um, trying to understand the wants, needs, dreams, and desires of the people that they're um, trying to attract with their product or service can still do a really poor job of actually listening and hearing uh, and paying attention in part because many times we already have what we we have when we just want to sell it. So yeah. it's not, we're not truly listening and hearing. We're saying, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I've got this, you know, don't you want this? So there's this, that aspect to me, I call it consideration. Like you, you can't just hear and you can't just listen. You have to actually consider the information that's coming. But the, another piece that I would love for you to lean into a little bit more with me is Oftentimes, when we are looking, taking, doing the hard emotional labor of, you know, the empathy journey and the compassion of trying to understand somebody's needs, wants, dreams, and desires, and then finding a solution that helps them, oftentimes the people that we're seeking to serve don't have a clear objective mm. understanding of, you know, sometimes they they have a problem that they think is the problem, but they just have, that's a problem that's obscuring what could be the, the thing that's really holding them back from, from getting them from where they are to where they want to be. That's right. Yeah. Often. And that's where it is a little challenging because we then jump to conclusions and make assumptions and say, well, you know, and we're looking, so everybody's seeing the world through their own lens. And so we're looking at the world through our lens, which is, you know, I've got this product and I've got this service. And so how can we match that up with the client's needs that are perhaps poorly articulated or definitely poorly understood if they're not well articulated by me? So what what that requires is really stepping back and leaving aside all the things that I have to offer and and asking a lot of questions, really digging deeper. So when uh, a customer, for example, says, well, um, I want a new website. So, you know, I will say, well, why? Why do you want a new website? What, what's the objective of that website? Which in and of itself is already <laughs> quite a challenging question because a lot of the times what's going through the customer's mind is, well, everybody else has a website that's in this business. So, you know, and when, when people look for me, I don't have a website. So that's that's the very superficial thing. But then, you know, if you dig deeper, they might say, well, I want a website because I want people to find me. Well, that's fine. So what do you want them to do when they find you? And so you work through, um, you know, a whole range of questions to really dig a lot deeper. And just doing that exercise, I find, actually helps the other person before you've even given them a solution to their problem just by clarifying for them or helping them clarify for themselves why they're actually going down this path and sometimes it actually comes up with well actually I don't need a website what I really need is is to start a Facebook group or to you know start a YouTube channel and and start producing regular videos so you kind of get to a point where they um, say, well, I could do the same thing with this other solution. So it's about um, asking a lot of 
questions on the detail, but then also saying, well, for what purpose do you want a website? What is it you're trying to achieve with that website? If you have a website, what will that give you? And if they say, well, that will give me more visibility with my target audience, or it will give me a nice brochure online that I can send people to when I meet them at networking events, that, you know, that kind of gives you a sense of why are they actually doing that in the first place. And then once you've got a better sense of what, what is it that they're going to get out of what they think they need, you say, well, how else can we get that? What are, what are our options there? Is the website the best way to do that? And there may be a whole range of other options. And then in the end, you end up saying, well, what you really need is um, to be on LinkedIn and to be, you know, have a LinkedIn strategy that has you posting on LinkedIn every week, have an article on LinkedIn. And the website, we can do a website later. Yes, website's probably a good idea. But for the purpose that you thought you wanted the website, that's going to be better served by this other strategy. Yeah, it's interesting how things like the, the the example I always think of is when I when I'm talking with people that are wanting to get some sort of endeavor started, they they immediately start talking about logo, and mm. they they don't have any idea who their audience is. They, they haven't really got clarity on what change they're trying to make in the world. Um, and what promises they're they're planning on making, but they 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 think that the logo is really important, and they will spend a lot of money and a lot of time and spend a lot of cycles on on a, a logo when really the logo almost doesn't matter. I mean, we know that most big corporations have logos that you could interchange the <laughs> the 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 letters, um, mm. you know, and they would be almost indiscernible. And if you know Starbucks. Uh, you know, has a mermaid and somehow still is managing to sell a lot of coffee uh, yeah. with a logo that has nothing that, that says nothing about being uh, a, a coffee shop. Um, That's right. Well, what I mean, one one of the things to me, and I think Seth Godin says this in in his um, this is marketing book. You know, we, we don't sell coffee. Starbucks doesn't sell coffee. They sell you an experience. They sell you how does that coffee make you feel. And they've done a really good job in, you know, bringing that right through their culture. So it's not just about the coffee. It's about the, the space. It's about the Starbucks coffee shop. It's about all the other bits and pieces that are there. It's about, um, you know, and the experience there is not because... I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a coffee snob, so I would go so far as to say Starbucks coffee is not, by far, not the best coffee on the planet. Um, and if I had a choice, I wouldn't drink Starbucks coffee. But it's not about the coffee; it's about the experience. It's about being amongst people. It's about the ambiance of the Starbucks um, shop, the cafe, and and so all of the other things they have there, all the kit that you can buy with Starbucks logo, that's all about the same experience. And their logo is the representation of that experience. So it's, you know, if I see the Starbucks mermaid, that triggers in my unconscious brain all of those things related to that experience at Starbucks. And so you've got to really know what is it, who's your customer, what is it that, What's the experience that they want and that you're going to 
help them get. So what's the transformation you're going to make for them? And then how am I, you know, what are the things I need to help me do that? Well, and one of the things that you're, that came to mind when you were walking us through your process, which sounds like it's just continuing to ask better and better questions Mm. is you're in this process, you know, the, the, the discovery process or whatever you want to call it is um, you are, you are as a professional are helping a client see what they don't yet see. But as soon as you help get, lead them to a place where they can see what they haven't seen up to this point, they can't unsee it. And so, so many things become clear. And this is very true in the coaching work that I do and, I, and everything else I do with creative on purpose. And I'm just curious about your experience with this, because what I have found um, is that I am, I am a, a rock star at helping other people see what they don't see and helping them then see it and then helping them act on what to do next after they see it. I am as bad, if not worse at seeing that in my own work. And so I require professional assistance, you know, in order to move my enterprise forward because we all have that, um, you know, those kind of self-imposed blinders. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's a couple of things there to comment on. First of all, it's always good to have good mentors, good coaches, and and other people around you that can give you feedback on what you're doing and can pinpoint the areas that, as you say, you know, you've got those blinders on. Um, and one of the things that I work really hard on is an intense focus. So there's, I, I, I love shiny toys, and so I do distraction quite well, but I, I know I have to discipline myself to get the things done that are most important to me. So I have this intense focus, and I'm, I think I'm really good at it. But one of the things about having something you're good at and having that superpower, it's also your biggest kryptonite. So having that intense focus means that sometimes you're not aware of what's going on in the periphery, which might have an impact on you. So it's it's good to have the, you know, that outside input with a business coach or mentors or more than one. The yeah. second thing for me is often when I'm working with people through some of these exercises, I actually get these aha moments myself so that you know the the client might have an aha moment and like you say then all of a sudden that becomes really obvious because now that pathway has been lit up and and we continue to build that and those you know they're at a point where I, I don't believe I didn't see that before and it's so obvious and I can't see anything else now it's there's the there's the road forward sometimes I have that experience with them and it's really important in all the work that you know, if you're working with clients that you do that, you're in real good rapport with them. And if you manage to establish a really deep rapport with them, sometimes you can actually experience a transformation yourself because, you know, what what the customer is experiencing is kind of a metaphor for something that you need to experience yourself. So sometimes I have these aha moments myself as I'm doing the work, you know, and I come out of the session thinking, well, that was that was as valuable for me in terms of, you know, what I took away for, from it other than, you know, having been paid for helping the client right. um, as it was for the client. Well, I think that's one of the things that I have really been leaning into heavily in my enterprise is that we, 
actually, I, I find more and more and more that everybody experiences a greater, enhances themselves the most through work that serves the needs and elevates mm. others. Um, we're coming close to needing to wrap up with the last question, but I, I wanted to um, just, as you were talking about, you know, the, the idea that a client says they need a website. Well, you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money building a website. Mm. And if you haven't gotten the clarity about who you're supposed to be serving and what you're, you're actually, uh, the change that you're going to make, you, you obviously can waste a lot of time and money uh, on a yeah. website that will then Absolutely. have to be fixed. So it seems like what I was hearing in, in the way that you're leading people through is, you know, yes, a website is important and we should have a website, but maybe we need to go through these smaller steps or these try these smaller things first that are less expensive and less costly in terms of time and money so that we can get the, that clarity around the things that are vital before we can build an effective website. So just that that idea of kind of, because you mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, the, the idea, you know, that we learn from mistakes and that mistakes are part mm. of, you know, the the posture of an innovator is you accept that sometimes things are not going to work out, but there's still something yeah. good that can can come out of a, a failure or, or a mistake because there's still learning that can happen. And of course, That's right, know, yeah. an innovator needs to be resilient. So at the very least, you'll learn how to be a little bit more resilient. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one of, one of the things that our process works on, I mean, the tra traditional marketing model, and I guess it's coming under fire a bit, these days, which I think is great. But the traditional one is you've got a funnel, right? You've got mm -hmm. lots of people, you try and get lots of people's attention up here and then you filter them down to those that are a good fit for you or that actually need what you've got and then some of them come through there. But the issue with that funnel, that you know, the metaphor is you pour water in the top of the funnel and all of the water actually comes down out the bottom because if you're doing it right to using the funnel, you're not just pouring water in the top to the point where it overflows. You're pouring it in carefully and so all the water comes down the bottom. Now we know in marketing, of course, all your leads that start off up here don't come out down the bottom. So the issue is, well, where, where are you losing all those? Mm -hmm. And so our process actually is a, a circular one. So it's a journey that is ever going, ever ongoing um, so it's not, you know, once somebody's down the bottom here, marketing's done. So our journey involves defining the leads up the top. So you're not pouring a whole lot of leads in here. They're only the leads that are actually a really good match for what you're offering and for you from a cultural point of view. And then along the way, you're making sure that at every interaction with those leads, you're not doing anything to send them away unless they're not a good match for you, unless they don't match your ideal client profile. Then you send them away, but you send them away consciously. You decide to send them away and you send them away to somebody that can better serve them so that you know, you're still doing a service for them, uh, but you're sending them out of your funnel, if you like. And then once somebody decides, yes, you're a good match, what you, what you have is actually what I need, and they become your client, we don't stop the marketing process. What we say is the next step is actually deliver an outstanding experience to them. So 
that's all around the onboarding and the systems. Obviously, we can't be an expert in what your business delivers, but we are experts in how do you do the onboarding process? Mm-hmm. How do you um, make sure that you're communicating regularly? How do you develop your own systems in a way that things are going to work really well? And then we look at the next steps, which are, okay, now we have a client, we have a relationship with them, they've had a great experience with us so far, so they love us, they really like us. So how can we hang on to that client for the lifetime of our business and their business? Because it's not just about this one sale, it's about building that ongoing relationship. And then how do we keep making them love us so that they become our fans? So that they start to do our marketing for us. Right. And and then how do we scale that so that we get more of those people? So now we kind of we've got this ideal client. We love working with them. They love working with us because we're getting results for them. We've we've become close. We're kind of there's almost a friendship there. How do we attract more of those kind of people? Because it's really great. To work with them, it's easy to work with them. We don't have sleepless nights over them, not paying in time or or putting unreasonable demands on us. Everything's working really well. How do we get more of those? So it's kind of the whole thing is actually a circle. It's a journey. Yeah, well, I I love the point that you made too about it's equally important to know who you're not for as it is who Mm -hmm. you are for. And and just because somebody is not. Um, really a great fit to be your customer doesn't mean that you don't treat them with respect and dignity and and do your best to help them. And I love, um, yeah, it's, I mean, over and over again, we've learned that it's easier to, uh, it's, it's much less expensive and much easier and much more enjoyable to work with customers that are with you long-term than it is to be on the search constantly for mm-hmm. new customers. Well, we've come to the end of our half hour, Jurgen, but I want to end with the, the question that I always end with, with my guests, which is what's one tip or piece of advice that you'd like to leave listeners with to help them fly higher in endeavors that make a difference? Well, I think the tip is focus. And we've talked a little bit about it in, in some sense. So really, folk, be really clear about what is it that you actually deliver your clients, your market, um, and focus on that. Focus down as narrow as you possibly can uh, because it is, and it does sound as though you're pushing away some opportunities, but in my experience, every time I've done that exercise really consciously and focused even more, my business has experienced a spurt in growth. And not just a spurt in growth, they've been that ideal client that I love to work with. Fantastic. So that would be my focus. I love it. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Jurgen and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope that today's broadcast we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. Jurgen, please tell our viewers one more time where they can connect with you to learn more. So if you go to Innovabiz, I-N-N-O-V-A-B-I-Z dot com dot AU, you'll land on our webpage. You'll probably see a pop-up about our marketing journey and you can actually download the map from there and uh, yeah get in touch with me through the contact page there fantastic and of course it's always great to see you at becreativeonpurpose.com now go out and make a difference and keep flying higher Jurgen Strauss thank you so much for your time and 
uh, sharing your expertise and experience with us today. Thanks, Scott. It's been a pleasure.